0: 20,
1: 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45, there goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back! Auburn's going to win the football game! They give it to I give it back now to the 30, they're down to the 20! All the LeBan is out on the field! He's going to go
0: Four-man Alabama rush. Got him.
1: Oh no, they didn't know
0: much! How
1: about that? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of The Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I'm Trey Reeves, and if you're watching on YouTube, you already know my big announcement. I'm joined by the one and only Mr. Garrett Turney. Garrett, back from the injured reserve, back from the 10-day IL. We've got him thrown back into the starting lineup tonight. How you doing, man? The, the people have been wondering. The people have been asking. They're on pins and needles. Where's Garrett? <laughs> what's going on? And here you are, and you have quite a story to tell if you would like to lead off tonight with uh, what's been going on in your world.
0: Yeah, no, So um, so a couple weeks ago, I broke my arm. Things are pretty rough over here, unfortunately. Got this massive club on the uh, lower part of my arm. Um, Fractured my wrist and dislocated my elbow, which apparently is a super rare injury. So if anybody out there has any expertise on it, if you could call my doctor and let him know some things, we're really struggling to figure out some solutions. (laughs) Um, But no, so basically just working out, fell, injury, stuff happens. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been a rough couple of weeks. We're, we're recovering. We're off of the serious pain meds and on to just, you know, little, little ibuprofen and stuff like that. Um, so definitely getting better. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be back and be able to, you know, sit down and talk a little college football and gear up for the season, which is rapidly approaching. Hopefully I can get back into podcasting shape by the time we hit week zero. So uh, yeah, just excited to be back and uh, doing this with you guys.
1: Yeah, man, I I do have to say I I had a loyal listener text me today. Shout out Sancho um, saying, where's Garrett? And I said, you know, hopefully he's going to be back tonight. We're recording this Thursday night or uh, Wednesday night. Excuse me. And he said, man, was his broken arm really that painful that he can't do a podcast for a couple (laughs) of years? You know, we're not so much worried about the broken arm. Obviously, we're concerned about that. But right. The pain medication might make the hot takes flow a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more than normal than what the we meds were talk. pretty
0: serious. They it were was, they were pretty. Yeah, it was pretty bad.
1: There was a lack of filter there for a little bit. <laughs> um, but We're yeah. glad you're back, man. It's so good to be talking ball with you this close sure. the season. Guys, uh, we're tantalizingly close to the start of the regular co- college football season. We're winding down our preview season today. We're going to talk Notre Dame. We're going to talk a little bit about the American Mountain West and Conference USA, kind of give you some overviews of those conferences and really get you ready for kickoff of week zero. It's coming up really, really soon. One more Saturday without college football. And the whole crowd said amen. All God's people said amen. Oh, yeah. So, so ready. Guys, to get you ready. For college football season, we want you to check out our partners at Homefield. You can use our code 3TechPod to get 15% off your entire first order. And we've been telling you guys for a long time, you guys have seen the stuff. It is some of the most incredibly looking, comfortable apparel that we have seen on the market. They've got all the awesome throwback logos. Um, I love every single shirt that I've gotten from Homefield, and I know you will too. So make sure that you are gearing up for this football season. 15% off using the code 3techpod at homefield.com. Make sure that you just stock up, man. Your school, whatever school that looks cool. I know I've got Kansas State, Loyola, Chicago, in addition to my AM collection. Garrett behind him has Baylor, Tulane, all kinds of good stuff. So if you want it, they got it. T-shirts, hoodies, uh, bomber jackets, all that good yeah. stuff. So check them out. 15% off 3 Pod. And while you're gearing up for uh, on your body, make sure that you're gearing up your brain as well with the Transfer Portal CFB College Football Preview Magazine. A little birdie told me it's usually nine ninety nine, which is already a great deal. You're running out of time, but a little birdie told me there might be a sale this weekend. So be on the Ooh. lookout. If you're still procrastinating a little bit, that's okay. Better late <laughs> than never. Make sure that you get in on the market. Guys, we've been getting praise flooding in from people that work for ESPN. Chris Vanini from The Athletic uh, praising the magazine. So, so cool to get that. Fox Sports, all these awesome people really, really like the product that we and the Transfer Portal have put out. Make sure that you're checking it out. Get ready for the college football season. Be the smartest fan at your week one watch party with all the information you get in that magazine. You can find it on their social media. You can also find it at TransferPortalCFB.com. $9.99 for all the information you could possibly want. And like I said, a little birdie told me, watch out this Saturday. You might get a little bit of a flash sale. So check that out. Make sure that you are ready to go for the season. But Garrett, without further ado, let's get into our last full breakdown show of the year. Notre Dame fans, we have not forgotten about you until you join a conference. um, We will throw you in (laughs) towards the end of (laughs) preseason. Maybe one day with all this realignment craziness, we'll be talking about Notre Dame on a conference episode. Who knows? Everything could be crazy, topsy turvy within a couple years. But Garrett, as we shift our focus to the Fighting Irish, you know, you look back at last year—they go nine and four, just a really awful start to the season, going three and three. You can excuse the loss to Ohio State, obviously, in Marcus Freeman's first game—that's in Columbus. They fought hard in that game. They made Ohio State really uncomfortable. And I think a lot of Notre Dame fans and national commentators like us walked away from that game and were pretty confident about Notre Dame. And then week two comes around, and they lose to the Marshall Thundering Herd at home in a game that doesn't really feel like they were ever in control or even wanting to be in control. So the first six games of the year, they lose to Marshall and Stanford in addition to that Ohio State game. But then they closed six and one, including just shellacking the Clemson Tigers, beating the South Carolina Gamecocks pretty handily in the uh, Gator Bowl and winning a couple games against ACC competition as well. Their only loss down the stretch was to Caleb Williams and USC. And so they're moving into the season with a lot of confidence. You know, Marcus Freeman going into his second year. Recruiting is picking up. Uh, Gerard Parker is entering his first season, replacing Tommy Reese at offensive coordinator gets promoted from tight end coach. And of course, Al Golden is on the defensive staff, second year defensive coordinator. So I think as we look at this team, typically what we've seen over the past decade or so, the overall strength of Notre Dame is going to be just overall defense, right? They finished top 25 in total defense, top 25 in passing defense a year ago. The secondary is really, really good. Yet again, this year, the front seven looks really salty as well. They played a ton of young guys last year. Those young guys got a ton of good experience, and they played really well, right? It's one thing to bring back production. They're bringing back production that actually performed on the field last year. So that seems to be the strength. To me, what I'm concerned about is I look at a team offensively, they're bringing in Sam Hartman. I think that's obviously – I've made that known that I think that's a huge upgrade on the offensive side of the ball. I'm really excited. Probably the most excited I've been about a Notre Dame quarterback since dating back to Brady Quinn, to be quite frank. I'm worried about who he's going to distribute the ball to, because I think that's going to be the biggest problem for Notre Dame is finding explosive playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. They've got a great offensive line. Joe Alts anchoring that first team, all American probably going to be a top five NFL draft pick top 10 NFL draft pick type of guy, but they're really searching for answers at the offensive skill position. seems like we say that a lot about Notre Dame. They lost Michael. Right. Well, to the draft, first round draft pick to Buffalo. And I think he went to Buffalo, but that's for another day. But um, Michael Mayer was obviously the big number one weapon last year. He's gone. Got to fill the gap there. I'm worried about finding that explosivity on offense.
0: Yeah, I think the big question for me is, is Notre Dame going to be one of those if teams, right? It seems like every year there's a couple teams where you just find yourself saying if a lot. And Notre Dame, I think for me, is one of those if teams, right? The, the defense is solid. There's no questions on the defense for me. The, the linebackers are amazing, right? J.D. Bertrand, he's going to be fantastic again this season. Um, you know, plenty of guys in the secondary. Benjamin Morrison, you know, uh, they got some transfers in. I think Oklahoma State, uh, Thomas Harper, he came in too. So there's going to be lots of guys back there um, that are going to be able to compete in the secondary. And I'm, I'm not concerned, that they're going to play well on defense, maybe a little bit on the defensive line, needing to take a couple steps up, but uh, they were a good unit last year. I have no reason to think they won't be a good unit this year. The ifs all come on offense. If Sam Hartman can keep it up from where he was, right? If Sam Hartman can kind of return to form to what we thought he was going to be before he did move on. Um, if they can find somebody at wide receiver, right? Is it a? Is it if Jaden Greathouse comes in and he becomes a, a revelation at wide receiver for them, right? They seem to We're have really a good connection back in the spring. Yeah, they seem to have a great connection there. We watched him in high school, just, you know, great talent, amazing pickup for Notre Dame to come into the state of Texas and find him and, and snag him out. But, I mean, you're looking at – <laughs> a converted running back, Chris Tyree, being an option as a wide receiver because you just don't have those options. You prefer him in the backfield because right now I think you only return one of your three leading rushers from last year um, after Tyree moves on and then Logan Diggs transferred out. So, you know, you're you're looking at, you know, one running back with any experience. If he goes down for some reason, you got nothing back there. You have to think Tyree slides back and takes a bunch of carries. If not, then, you know, obviously you have a little bit more experience there, you know, catching passes, but uh, you're really starting to look around and say, Hey, who's catching the football? Who's, who's filling in for Michael Mayer? Is, is it going to be, you know, and I think Mitchell Evans is the guy right now, the tight end who most people are looking at as the guy to step up. Is he going to be able to be as good? Uh, it's a lot to ask when you ask a guy who you know gets drafted and is a prolific tight end to step up and be the same guy so i don't think that that's realistic but regardless the ifs can all hit for these if teams right if sam hartman is that good if they can find a revelation at wide receiver if the running backs can be you know dynamic enough then yeah this could be a really good notre dame team we could be talking about you know possibly an 11 and one they're that talented um, you know, I, I don't think they have really go undefeated in them. I don't think that that's likely for them. But I, I could see, you know, an eleven and one at best, where they just, you know, everything clicks and and they look great. Probably thinking nine and three, eight and four, somewhere in there. They have a tough schedule, and we can get into that really next do. if you want to. They got a tough schedule and and some tough road games as well. So I'm I'm thinking. You know, probably I'd probably lean nine and three, maybe 10 and two from right now looking at the schedule. But, you know, if the ifs don't hit, then things could get pretty bad. We could be talking about a, you know, six and six, seven and five type of Notre Dame team if they can't get anything rolling on offense.
1: Yeah, that that is the absolute floor. And I think that would be just a catastrophe on offense. right? Maybe even Sam Hartman's hurt. Right. Right. Really early in the season. Uh, let me correct myself real quick. Mayor is a Las Vegas Raider, not a right. Buffalo Bill. That is, yeah, I think Dalton Kincaid King. went to Buffalo. Yeah, Kincaid went to yeah, Buffalo. Yeah. Um, so listen, I think you're right. I think my ceiling for Notre Dame is 11 and 1. I think that if yeah. everything clicks, they could be knocking on the door of the college football playoff under Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman's an explosive playmaker. I know he had his turnover issues at times last year. I think that's more knowing that he had no defensive support whatsoever at Wake mm-hmm. Forest and at it yeah he had to be the guy right at yeah. Wake Forest if he didn't do it then they were losing the game and Notre Dame he can afford to make more conservative decisions and i yeah. don't think that, that goes against what makes him great so yeah. to me you look at their schedule and you mentioned it's really tough how's this for a four game stretch from september 23rd to october 14th ohio state at home at duke who all three of us are really high on yeah. at Louisville, who I think can be really, really good this year. And then back home to play USC, right? And Caleb Williams. So I don't see them getting both Ohio state and USC. I think your best case scenario is you split those two. They're both at home. And I think that's a big positive for Notre Dame that they don't have to go to Ohio state or to USC like they did last year. But I think it's asking a lot for, of Sam Hartman to get both of those games. So, yeah, penciling in at least one of those is a loss. You look at the absolute ceiling is 11 and 1. If you're telling me that they ran through the rest of their schedule, I think that's a college football playoff team. Obviously, it depends a lot on what goes on in the rest of the country. Are there two worthy teams in another conference? Do we have a situation where Ohio State and Michigan are both getting in, or two teams from the SEC, or Big 12, Pac 12? So many things could change. Right. But an 11 and 1 Notre Dame team with a win over either. Ohio State or USC. That's a pretty dang good resume when you put it in place with all the other um, all the other games that they have, they do have a really soft close to me. Um, four games in the last six weeks, they of course play week zero. We'll be talking about them first when they play Navy over in Ireland, but because they play week zero, they get two bye weeks and they have both of those towards the end of the season. In the last six weeks of the season, they only play four games. Pitt at Clemson, Wake Forest, and at Stanford. So an opportunity for a pretty right. soft close there and Clemson to maybe be another marquee win. Yeah, at Clemson,
0: that's going to be tough. Um, even if yeah. they get both Ohio State and USC, they could still stumble at Clemson, right? Because you're still it's on still one of the best resumes in the whole country. And if it's you, still one if of the best resumes of both three. of those teams have a real chance of being in the playoff. Ohio State and USC could be like locked in playoff teams. And then you're talking about Notre Dame being around that five or six mark. When you're talking about, you know, let's say that they close 11 and one, that could be, you know, ranked five or six around conference championship week, and then all they have to do is wait for the right team to lose, right? If it's a, you know, a, a number four, and it's a Pac-12, and it's, you know, maybe it's, you know, USC versus Utah again, and Utah does the unthinkable and and upsets them in the conference championship game for another year, right? And they, they lose out on a chance again. Like you could be talking about that kind of a situation again. Um, Or, you know, I think the ACC could be a tough, you know, between Clemson and probably Florida state or, or, you know, throw Duke in there in the mix. Um, That, that could be a really tough game to, to look at and say like one of those teams is possibly going to, you know, lose their chance to play off in that week. So Notre Dame is going to position themselves really well. If they can win some of those games, my concern is, is like you were saying in that middle of the schedule. Regardless of how the Ohio State game goes, they have to follow that with the trip to Duke, and you know that that's going to be a draining experience. Regardless, right? It, even if they win that game, that's going to be a you know hard fought, emotional game. Put all your effort into it, leave it all on the floor, and, and then walk out, and then show up Monday morning and say, "Hey, we got to go play Duke." And we're going to travel Friday and we got to get out of here. Right. And so you have to think about that as like a realistic situation for them is that they're going to play Ohio state back-to-back weeks on the road and then USC at home again. So it's a tough middle of the schedule going, you know, three and one in that stretch would be magic to beat one of those two teams. Um, And then certainly beating
1: both of them sets them up in a great position for the rest of the season. I do wonder what the temperature of Notre Dame's fan base would be like if they go nine and three, but lose to Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. Like they don't get any of those three. I right. wonder how satisfied the Irish fan base would be in that because you'd still have some pretty solid wins, right? You that right. would mean that you took care of NC State, Duke, and Louisville on the road. You beat Pitt and Wake Forest at home. You took care of your rival in Stanford at the end of the year. I don't think they'll have any problem taking care of Stanford, but they lost to them last year. (laughs) They lost to them last year. They did. did. um, You know, I I wonder what the temperature would be. You know, if you go 0 for 3 in those, that would be, you know, 9 wins with the opportunity for 10 in a bowl game. I don't think that's anything to sneeze at in Marcus Freeman's second year. I think that's signs of progress and signs that they're building, and especially if they're competitive in those three games. But – I do think it would leave a bit of a sour taste in their mouth if they go over three there.
0: It, it probably depends on how they lose those games. If they're real tough, like loses by a field goal type of games, I think that Notre Dame fans should walk out of that season, you know, with spirits high, because those are three really, really good teams. And if you lose, you know, all those games close, I think you have to say, yeah, maybe it just wasn't our year. You know, we just got a little bit of bad luck, but we're building a great program. And, you know, that's something to build off of. Go hit the portal again. Go find another quarterback. This is Hartman's last year, right? This no more eligibility after this. Yeah, yeah so go yeah, find exactly. another great quarterback. Build your roster, right? Find some playmakers and, and let those guys shine. And then, yeah, come right back at it next year and, and you know, do something in 2024. I think uh, you don't want to say that at this point in the season. I think they're going to have a great year. But, you know, again, like if they do go nine and three with those losses, I think
1: it's a little bit of a disappointment, but you have to stay optimistic in that case. It's going to be interesting. I think the offense is going to be a little bit more explosive this year if they can find some playmakers. And holy cow, if Notre Dame has an explosive offense, I don't know what to think of college football. Oh, yeah. so Oh, yeah. Well, Garrett, let's uh, do some G5 justice here. Let's move on to um, we have three conferences to cover. Tonight, Mm -hmm. we're going to give kind of a 30,000-foot view of all three. got the American, we've got the Mountain West, and we've got the uh, Conference USA. And they are playing football also this year. And (laughs) uh, we've broken all three of them. We've broken all three of them down into tiers as we see kind of the possible situation of this season playing out. So starting in the American – To me, there's three true contenders before you get into the dark horses. Tulane, of course, won the conference last year. Michael Pratt's back. The coaching staff is back, surprisingly. Um, You've also got SMU and newcomer to the American UTSA. So, Garrett, I'll let you choose. We kind of already talked SMU. Uh, Shout out to that great episode that Mitch did with Joseph Hoyt of the Dallas Morning News that covers SMU for that Mm -hmm. paper um, we've kind and of already
0: recently, formerly of the Dallas Morning News, he's moving on to something else. I think he announced that like oh, this week. Good for him. All right, yeah, I missed good that. Good for him. I'm good excited him. to see what he does next. He does great work, and so I'm I'm pumped to see what his next opportunity is.
1: Oh, awesome. Shout out Joseph. That's awesome. I had not seen yep. that, but awesome. Good to see. And so yeah, Joseph Hoy did a great job breaking down SMU. So Garrett, I'll let you choose where are we go in first: Tulane or UTSA, the other two kind of co favorites in this league.
0: You know, I think you have to look at UTSA first because they are the newcomer. They're the new team on the block. And you have to kind of size them up and say, what are they going to be able to do, right? They're, you know, coming off of a year where, you know, things maybe, you know, they didn't maybe go exactly according to plan, but things still went really well last year for them in a a lower conference. And, you know, you look at this and you say, you know, they go 11 and three. They only lose a couple games at the beginning of the schedule. They roll through their conference schedule, no problem. Now that they have a chance to play in what I am going to call, I think, the, the fourth best conference in football now. Um, I, I, I They're right there with the ACC for me. Um, I know wow. that there's some top-heavy teams in the ACC, but there's there's some really good teams here. So it's it's four or five. They're, they've passed the Pac-12. I mean, Pac-12 is a dying corpse on the side, but that's for another episode. Um, but no, Frank Harris is an elite quarterback for UTSA. He's, he is up there. I've been making this point for a while. This is hardly a hot take, but Frank Harris is an extremely good quarterback. He has the ability to win you, you know, just about every game on your schedule on his back, right? He, he is that level of good. Um, you, you talk about what he does, what he's going to have to do with his playmakers. Obviously they lose Franklin. But they bring in Decore and Clark, or not bring in, but, you know, they got DeCorean Clark come back. Uh, Josh Cephas, um, he'll be there, too. A couple of dynamic receivers making a lot of those, you know, first team, all AAC conference lists. And I, I think you just have to look at this and say, man, they're going to have some playmakers. They're going to have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Um, and, I, and I think they're going to be really, really good, put up a lot of points. Um, and, and do a really good job this year in the AAC in their first year. I think they have a real shot at winning the conference. I think they might be my favorite to win the conference right now. Um, you have to respect what Tulane has done. And you have to respect what they bring back. But I think with Tulane, you know, you lose TyJ Spears. I- I'm inclined to say that UTSA bringing back as much as they have I I like what UTSA is going to bring back. And I think that they're going to have a really good schedule and be able to win a bunch of games. So I like UTSA a bunch this year.
1: I do too. And they are going to make a lot of noise in the American. They're, they're here to win. Jeff trailer has built that program to be a contender in the American. They knew that they were going to try to make a move like this relatively soon. And they've been building to this and Frank Harris coming back for year one just has The vibes extremely high in San Antonio. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm really, really excited about what UTSA is going to put on the field this fall. The one thing I'm a little concerned of, they they weren't, you know, a porous defense by any means last year. But I am a little bit concerned about the step up in competition on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, losing a couple guys on that side as well doesn't help. But you know that that that's something that they're going to adjust to throughout the year. I think Jeff Trailer and that coaching staff are going to do a great job of adjusting to that competition level throughout the year. Right? They brought in some Power Five talent from the transfer portal as well to really beef up that roster. And you're right; they lost a couple of their key guys as well. But what they brought in has really been encouraging as well. So vibes are really high in San Antonio. I would not be surprised at all if they are playing for the championship at the end of the year for Tulane. You know, Michael Pratt, of course, is back. They lose Ty J Spears, who is their kind of all everything running back uh, to the NFL. He's now a Tennessee Titan. And but other than that, you know, I'm really excited about what Tulane brings back. I've been on the record saying I think that they have a really good chance to upset Ole Miss in week uh, three, I believe, or mm-hmm. week two. That would be an opportunity to make the statement that they're not just here, you know, in the here and now, but they are a program that's on the rise and here to stay in a really talented area of the country. Yeah,
0: and a really good spot too. When you think about, you know, what they're doing in the transfer portal as well. Big thing that I like that they did in the transfer portal is they got Yul Keith Brown, um, yeah. and he receiver at Texas A and M, loads of speed. And so, if you're talking about just a, uh, you know, the he's down there somewhere type of joke. You could make that joke this year with Yulke Brown, you know, getting down the field and, and making plays.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be a really fun offense to watch yet again. Um, as we move into the next tier of the American, I, I've called this the dark horses. I do think that there's just something interesting about all three of these teams. So we've got Tom Herman's Florida Atlantic owls. Uh, that's just <laughs> a fun, fun phrase to say. We've got Memphis. Who has always seemed to be just right on the edge of upsetting somebody, right in the thick of things, uh, for the last part of this, you know, century of college football. And then we've got Navy, who, you know, if you have not paid attention, Navy is not your grandfather's Navy this, <laughs> this fall. So, you know, we I think we can start there. I think that's really fun. Navy is switching up their offensive system; they're kind of modernizing it a little bit. Do I think it's going to be a full-on air raid? Of course not. But I'm really interested to see that they really want to incorporate, it seems like, more spread concepts into that triple option. So I think it's still going to be very power-run heavy. I think you're going to still see, you know, maybe not pure service academy football, but it does seem like they're wanting to open it up a little bit more in addition to being able to run it down your throat.
0: Right. And it's going to be really fun to watch week zero, right. And and yep. against Notre Dame. I mean, obviously I think we both think Notre Dame is going to win that game, but it's going to be fun to see kind of how they stack up against a really good defense and, and see if they can maybe work out some of the kinks, you know, on a different continent um, and, and figure out how to, you know, maybe run a little bit of a modern offense. This will be the first time they've attempted to run an offense in you know, the right century. So it's, it, it'll be kind of cool to see what they end up doing with that. It, I don't necessarily expect big things out of them, but this is one of those interesting, if it clicks, it could be fun to watch, could be competitive, you know, could maybe push for something. I'm not going to pick them to get close to the top of the conference, but you know, it's, it'll be fun to watch anyways. And it'll be, it'll be a cool story to see how they grow with this.
1: I, I agree. I'm, I'm really excited to see that evolution up in Memphis. You've got Seth Hinnegan at quarterback, He's been really solid the last couple of years. I think that they, they're pretty high on him. I think that he – I haven't seen anything to see why he wouldn't be the starter again this year. Right. But, you know, you also in the conference have, in this level, Tom Herman, I think, going to FAU. This seems like we, – we've seen FAU rehabilitate coaching careers before, right? Lane Kiffin goes down to FAU. Right. He wins a bunch of games, and all of a sudden he's the new hotness and ready to be hired. Uh, by Ole Miss to take over their vacancy. So I'm really interested to see what Tom Herman can do. I don't think that he's an awful coach. I think that he kind of had a really rough situation at Texas and had a lot of really high expectations at Texas. Right. I don't think he was ready for the Texas job when he took it from the University of Houston. So, you know, getting back to his roots a little bit in the G5 level, I, I don't know. I, let's see what happens. I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do down in Boca Raton.
0: Yeah. a guy like Tom Herman should be able to figure out something with this FAU group. He's a smart guy that, that Tom Herman, he, he should be able to figure some stuff out. Yeah. I just, I don't think he was ready on the first go around. He's got a cool test third week of the season. You go play Clemson. So, you know, go make some noise, maybe, you know, ruffle some feathers, you know, make, make a little bit of a splash right there. Um, for me it's more just the schedule they do play UTSA and Tulane um and yeah. you know include that with Clemson Illinois as well is in their schedule so a little bit of a tough schedule I feel like almost with those four teams you can cap their ceiling at eight and four um and then you just have to worry about sort of the the lower the the next level of competition who they can play and who they can beat and playing consistent and all that. So it's, it's going to be interesting to watch and see where they end up. I, I think they will be fun to watch. I think that'll be a good team to, to follow and definitely an interesting story, but maybe not this year.
1: Yeah. I, I think they could build something. I do think they might knock off somebody that they're not supposed to. I, I you know, I have Go them ahead. just above the plucky. I'm just above the pluckiness on the meter, but yeah. they, they could knock off somebody that they're not supposed to. Speaking I mean, of – to to mention
0: it, they do play Tulane second to last week of the season, and Tulane's last game is against UTSA, so that could be a little bit of a trap game for Tulane. Maybe looking ahead, uh, you know, and they do play them on the road, so they will have to to go to uh, FAU to play that
1: game. So it is, you know, it, that weirder things have happened. And Lord knows Tom Herman can get his team up for a big game and win Oh a yeah, game that oh, yeah that's to. his thing. So yeah, will will he probably lose to Charlotte? I don't know if Charlotte's on their schedule, but uh, yeah, some, some, some it's at Charlotte too. So you got to go road game oh, to Charlotte. Lord. Yeah, look out for that one, fans. <laughs> but um, I think they could be really fun, especially in a couple of years. Uh, in the plucky yeah. category for the American, we've got Rice, North Texas, East Carolina, and Trent Dilfer's Alabama Birmingham. I want to start with Trent Dilfer, man, because. <laughs> I don't don't know if you saw this when uh, this happened, but the American Media Day, some media member basically asked him, you know, hey, do you feel weird that all these other coaches around you have had to grind for years at the high school level and, you know, work their way up from a graduate assistant and, uh, you know, work their way up through the ranks and just pour their blood, sweat, and tears, and here you are becoming the head coach of a D1 football program after your only head coaching experience is at a Nashville area, private high school. And he basically said like, look, I'm not here to please anybody. I really don't care what the media says. I really don't care what other coaches have to say about me. Obviously I respect everybody that's been grinding here and I respect the game, but all I care about is what the players in my locker room care about me. And, if they're on my side and if, they're, and if they're willing to go into battle with me, then that's all I really care about. And I love that answer from them because it's, you know, the hire raised a lot of eyebrows. Alabama-Birmingham is not a pushover school, right? They really want to win. They really want to do well. They want to compete. And so for them to hire somebody with no college head coaching experience was definitely, you know, sending a lot of alarm bells and sending a lot of right. concern. I don't know that he's going to win a lot of games at UAB, but I am fascinated to see how this goes. I don't know what kind of, I don't know that he has the talent this year to really make a push anywhere close to the championship. I think a bowl game is a more realistic goal for the Blazers. But listen, for a program that was, you know, on the brink of going extinct a few years ago. And they have their uh, longtime coach kind of retire out of nowhere. I think they could have done a lot worse than a guy that literally won a Super Bowl as a quarterback.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the point is you hired this guy for the name in the hopes that you can build your roster. Right. You assume he has some kind of football knowledge since he's you know played at the highest level and you would assume that he could do that. So you're saying, well, let's get a guy with some football knowledge that we can say, hey, this is a big name coach. Maybe get some transfers, maybe get some guys here that, you know, normally wouldn't pick a team like UAB, and then, and then we just you know build the roster and kind of go from there. I think it's probably a little bit more of a long-term project, but I'm I'm okay with it, right? Let it rock.
1: Yeah. I'm really excited about Rice as well. I wrote their preview article for the Transfer Portal CFB Magazine. Uh, pop quiz, Garrett, do you know who the starting quarterback for the Rice Owls is going to be this year?
0: Oh, boy, I sure don't. I'm sure it's going to be a name that shocks
1: me, though. JT Daniels is JT Daniels in, in his 10th year of eligibility will be 30th stop too. Yeah. He, he will be the starting quarterback for your rice fighting owls this year. Wow. And listen, I think quietly he has a lot of fun weapons around him and yeah. in this rice offense, they did lose their number one wide receiver uh really late in the game to the transfer portal. That really hurt. But Luke McCaffrey, Is there, um, and he is an all everything gadget player. They've got a really solid offensive line that they've rebuilt through the transfer portal. They can figure out how to stop guys on defense if they can figure out, you know, how to play consistency. They went to a bowl game last year. They got shellacked in that bowl game by Frank Gore Jr. But listen, they went to a bowl game, and that's not something we can say about Rice very often. Uh, You have any thoughts on anybody else in this tier, UNT or East Carolina?
0: I'm really liking UNT. They're a little bit local. I know that they changed the naming rights of their stadium recently. So now it's not Apogee. It's whatever else it is. Apologies. I haven't learned the new name, but. That's you're about to say it's Apology
1: Stadium. Apology. I I have no idea what the new stadium name is either.
0: No. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, But no, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're moving on from your quarterback who, you know, was almost on social security benefits by the time he finished his career at UNT. Um, But what I like about them, and I don't necessarily think that they're going to be extremely competitive this year, again, a team, you know, kind of hopping up to the ACC and, and looking to make a splash. What I like about them is what they're doing sort of within the state. And this is a little bit more of a maybe zoomed in look. They recruited South Oak Cliff. They recruited North Shore. Those are two big programs in the state of Texas. They're starting to grab some kids from there. If you can grab some kids from some state championship winning teams, you're going to bring in a little bit more of a better culture, a better competitive culture into your own locker room. I like that as a long-term strategy for success. The schedule isn't necessarily their best friend. Um, they do play at Tulane versus UTSA at SMU. Those are going to be some tough games for them, for sure. Uh, but if they can kind of weather that storm, the rest of the schedule is not too bad. Um, I, I think their first game against California is a chance to make a real splash. They will be playing that game too. in Denton, Texas. I think they might win that game if if the Mean Green fans can get out for that one. Which you know, I know a couple of people that you know have either gone to UNT or currently go to UNT. They don't always show up for their team. But if they could show up for that game, make some noise, you know, UNT fans get out there, you know, get 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 loud. You could maybe
1: upset California and start the season with a bit of a splash. I I think they might win that game. And they got a I chance. Might, we might need to try to do a double feature that day. We're planning on going to the SMU home opener. Might need to drive up by thirty five a little bit. Catch need to see what time that game kicks. Catch both of them. That would be really fun. Uh I'm gonna you know, look easy. <laughs> yeah go please do uh east carolina i think could still be plucky i really like the coaching staff there i really like what they're doing they kind of burst onto the scene last year they did lose keaton mitchell who was kind of their do everything running back on the offensive side of the ball but Marion gunn guy to watch for a breakout candidate this year averaged over five yards a carry as a freshman this year i think he could be a plug and play guy in that offense and keep that uh keep that offense kind of rolling and maybe find a few more upsets like they did last year. Oh. Um, moving down the list, we have one more tier here in the American the maybe next year candidates. And, you know, it's kind of the usual suspects down here. I think if there's one team, we got Temple, South Florida, Tulsa, Charlotte, there's one team I kind of feel bad about putting down here. It's Tulsa. I do yeah. think that they're going to be improved this year. I don't know if they're improved enough to make a bowl game. I think, don't they host, oklahoma this year i think that they randomly host the that sooners.
0: might be true i can look at their schedule real quick yeah that. That i'm
1: pulling it true. up as well they host the sooners um that's what tough. a weird game on the way out of the big 12 for oklahoma yeah. weird things and happen. they're at washington and that's I- the week before that that's not easy back to back weeks what a what a schedule that those <laughs> made right there um yeah, and I, I do think that they're going to be improved this year. I don't know that it, that will mean making a bowl game. But, you know, Tulsa has Tulsa has long been a very borderline bowl team, right? They're, they're right there on either side. Right. As far as the other teams go, I'm not going to lie. I really don't know much to be excited about Temple, USF, or Charlotte. Not a lot of wins combined, those three teams last year. USF almost jumped up and got Central Florida on their way out of the Atlantic last year, but I'm not looking forward to watching many
0: of those games this year. Yeah, no, you said not a lot of wins last year. I think we can say probably not a lot of wins this year. We're not rooting against them. It's just no, you know, somebody's got to be at the bottom of the conference. Unfortunately, I think it's this group.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it would not surprise me. Uh, Naquan Wright is a transfer running back at Central Florida. I think he's a really talented running back. So, yeah, Bulls fans, there you go. You gotta, you gotta have a fun, <laughs> a fun running back to watch at the very least. Uh, Garrett, let's move over to the Mountain West. I think, again, you have a three pack of true contenders, maybe even just two, if I'm being honest. Um, Boise State seems like uh, they are the consensus preseason pick. Mm-hmm. And they've got a really fun quarterback situation. Um, you know, Taylor Green took over last year uh, for Hank Bachmeyer. Hank Bachmeyer just spazzed out in a game against Oregon State. got yeah. the coaching staff to pull him and put in um, Taylor Green. And Taylor Green kind of didn't look back. He's a really fun dual threat quarterback. I really like what the dynamic that he brings to the offense. And you know, Boise's gonna Boise, right? Boise is always a contender in this conference. Yeah. They're always going to be near the top of the league. They bring back a ton of returning talent. So to me, they're the team to beat until someone else proves otherwise. No, I think you're
0: absolutely right. Really solid team. The quarterback, Taylor Grey, he should be really good this year. I think he'll he'll keep going and keep improving. And, you know, more time, more reps, you're, you're going to get better. Um, Ashton Jeans here as well, the, the running back, should be really solid. They should have a really good punch there in the backfield you look at the schedule, they go at Washington. uh, And then week five, they also go at Memphis. Um, Other than that, I don't really think the schedule is that bad. Like I'm kind of looking up and down the schedule, maybe at Fresno State. But I I think, you know, you look at the schedule, it's really manageable. And I think there's not a lot of people that really scare you on that schedule. So they should have a good year, um, if for nothing else, than just the fact that the schedule is pretty open.
1: Yeah, I think at Fresno will definitely be their toughest Conference game. They also have right. Air Force at home uh, to end the season. That's going to be really tough. Speaking of Air Force, I have them as kind of the number two team in this league, penciled in right now. Yeah. You haven't been paying attention to what's going on in Colorado Springs. They have been fantastic. Easily the best service academy um, over the last few years. Last year, they go 10 and three, they follow up a 10 and three season. Each of the last three non-pandemic seasons, they've won at least 10 games. Like just such a testament to what Troy Calhoun is doing up there. He's been the coach there forever. I think this is like his almost is like his 17th year or something like that. Right. He's just brought such a consistently elite level play to this Air Force team. Of course, you know, their Service Academy, they're not gonna have the star power. They're going to play really disciplined team football. They're going to run it down your throat with that uh, wishbone option offense. Mm -hmm. And they're going to win a lot of games doing it, Garrett. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, John Leo is the running back. He'll he'll be really
0: solid. And again, looking at their schedule, I don't see a loss until the end of the season for them. Um, That maybe here's where I'm kind of looking at this. They play Robert Morris, Sam Houston, and Utah State to open. Um all, all of those games are at home. I think all those games are a win. Later on in the season they could lose at Navy if Navy's that improved team that we think they can be. We just talked about them. If they're improved, they could lose at Navy. But I mean they played just almost nobody until that last game of the season at Boise State. So the the schedule opens up nice. I do think they probably lose that game to Boise State but the schedule's really nice for for the folks there at the Air Force Academy. So, you know, you really got to think, you
1: know, big things for Air Force to have a big year. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't see any reason why they would slow down. They're not going to be doing anything differently than what they've been doing uh, to be so successful over these last few years. Um, Moving to Fresno State really quickly, you know, they lose Jay Kaner. They're all everything quarterback. They do get a transfer in Michael Keeney. Um, who's really interesting, I think. And, you know, that Fresno program, they could have folded when they lost Kalen DeBoer to board of Washington. And I know they still had their really good quarterback in Jake Hayner last year, but they really impressed me in their ability to stay, you know, very formidable in the mountain West conference. So I think there's some good stability there. I don't know that this is the year it's probably going to be a tough transition losing Hayner, um, mm-hmm if we're talking about competing for a conference title, but they are in the weaker division. The the West division of the Mountain West is certainly the weaker side. You know, you get to play teams like Hawaii and Nevada instead of teams like Air Force and Wyoming. So I don't know, like maybe they can make a run. Maybe they could find a way back to that Mountain West championship game.
0: Yeah, there's a chance. I mean, you, you definitely have to think that, They have the ability to get there. Um, The the schedule certainly isn't that bad. I just think that when you look at them, I think in the top tier of teams, I think they're the odd guy out in terms of kind of the top talent. Um, I I don't see the the difference maker yet. And and they could definitely shock me. I don't see a difference maker on the team where I say, yeah, that's the guy who's going to put the team on the back and and make it happen. So I think in some of those tough times, it's going to be tough. They're also probably going to start a little bit slow. They have at Purdue – uh, they do play Eastern Washington, then at Arizona State, and then versus Kent State to open the schedule. That's kind of a tough open. That's I know that Arizona State's probably not going to be that good at football, but I probably predict them to beat, that, uh, to beat uh, Fresno State in that game. Purdue's going to beat them probably. So you could be looking at kind of a rough open to the season before you get into your conference play. That will be a little bit easier. They do go at Wyoming. So they do have Wyoming on the schedule this year. That'll be – a tough game on the road for them. Probably, probably still going to win that game. But uh, again, you go to Wyoming, you get up there in the mountains, you never know what could happen. So
1: that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, you know, Mike, Mikey Keeney, I think could be a really fun quarterback. He looked really good in his time. Didn't play a lot at UCF, but when he did play very efficient, you know, 72.3% yeah. completion. Didn't turn the ball over at a very high rate, really high com- uh, efficiency rating. So, no, nope. could fill the shoes of Jay Kaner. Who knows? Yep. Um, moving on down the list here, our dark horses. We've got uh, San Diego State, who is still in the Mountain West, despite their best wishes. <laughs> um, Wyoming and San Jose State. Wyoming could rocket up this list if they are somehow able to pull off an upset week one. They host the Texas Tech Red Raiders week one. I'm not necessarily predicting them to uh, pull off that upset, but listen, they've got a really experienced roster. Andrew Presley, the gra- uh, graduate student is, uh, running the show at quarterback and, you know, they scratch and claw and what they do is find a way despite offensive struggles, despite, you know, a lot of issues on, uh, the offensive side of the ball, they find a way to a bowl game typically more often than not. And, more often than not, they win that bowl game. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them find their way to playing in December yet again. Um, you know, I mentioned the Texas Tech game to kick off the year. They also go to Texas mm-hmm. and host Appalachian State. So not the easiest non-conference slate yeah. for the Cowboys. Fun for the season ticket holders. Oh, but, very fun um, for the season ticket holders. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the conference slate does soften up a little bit. They do travel to Air Force, who they beat last year and at Boise state. But after that, they close Colorado state at UNLV Hawaii at Nevada. I think that close is really a good goal. close. Yeah. They, they could coast that close to a bowl game for sure. Um, Utah state, uh, and UNLV in the plucky range. I do think that, uh, Utah state is another team that just finds a way. They were in the conference championship just a couple years ago. Um, Beat, uh, beat a Power 5 team in a bowl game just a couple years ago as well. Yeah. So when you look at these last couple of tiers, we'll kind of lump in the maybe next year teams, Hawaii, Nevada, and New Mexico as well. Is there anything that stands out to you here as we wrap up the Mountain West?
0: The funny question, looking at Utah State's schedule, they play at Iowa and then they host James Madison. Which one of those games do you think is actually the harder game?
1: Man, because if they
0: Iowa. can score like twenty points against Iowa, I, I know it's at Iowa. Like I get yeah. that, I understand. But if they can score twenty
1: points, they might be okay. And, that, I, and that's I, the opening I, game. I know it's funny to say uh, James Madison is a tougher game, but it, it's at Iowa. <laughs> like it's <laughs> Iowa, it's Iowa. I I'm sneakily starting to get on board with Iowa maybe winning ten okay. games this year. Okay. I, I I you know JJ McCarthy. Uh, or excuse me, Cade McNamara. Wow. The other one, the other one, (laughs) the other Um, Michigan quarterback (laughs) Michigan fans were really concerned there for a second (laughs) this, but, um, yeah, Cade McNamara. I know he had an injury scare a couple days ago. I think we're getting off track talking about Iowa and the mountain West preview, but (laughs) I I'm actually high on Iowa. That James Madison game is definitely the easier one. I do think they lose both of those games. Yeah, Um, for sure. And then at UConn as well, definitely not a gimme. Yeah, they, they really fell off last year, surprisingly. I think Gary Anderson was one of the highly regarded up and coming coaches after he went eleven and three in twenty twenty one. You know, yeah. he took over a program or the COVID year, they were really, really down. And uh Gary Anderson, the previous coach, was you know, fired within a couple weeks of the COVID season. They were down and out, and he took him from last in the conference to eleven and three. Followed that up with a six and seven season. I don't know that, you know, I'm not saying that they're never going to break through again, but we got to see it on the field again. I think before we yeah. really believe that was you got to prove that. it wasn't just a flash in the pan, you know? Right, right, right. And, you know, Tom, uh, coach Chang at Hawaii, I think is a fantastic story. They're still a couple years away from competing and, yeah. New Mexico's got to find a way to get some talent in, uh, yeah. pl- plain and simple. Their compadres on the other side of the state have figured it out. They've at least got a fun quarterback. Yeah. And uh, we'll maybe talk about them here in just a second. But New Mexico's just got to find some way to tap into the talent-rich states next door to them before they're able to take over. Garrett, we have one more conference to talk about. and But do we – we do, yes. Okay, there, okay. There's going to be some fun football played in Conference USA, albeit by fewer teams. Sure. Listen, this is the little conference that could survive. The Pac-12 could not survive Conference Realignment in the way that Conference USA did. When, all, yeah, when everyone counted them out, Conference USA held strong and still has nine teams to somehow field the league this year. The class of that league is certainly going to be Liberty and Western Kentucky. When you look at Liberty, Jamie Chadwell comes over from, uh, coastal Carolina. Obviously he's had Grayson McCall to, uh, kind of, uh, play with on offense for the last few years. And that's certainly made that offense pop, but man for schematic nerds like myself, Jamie Chadwell's offense is so, so fun to watch. It's so multiple. It can beat you in a million different ways, and it can frustrate the heck out of you um, yeah. if you're not prepared to play against it. He comes over to Liberty now. Liberty has never had a problem with um, a curing power five talent, right? They, they are really good at getting the transfers. And I think in a league like Conference USA, they've been playing as an independent for a while. In a league like Conference USA, they might be stepping up to have a true dynasty in the making.
0: Yeah, it, it's certainly on the table. I mean, they they carry a little bit of cachet because they are Liberty, so they have a little bit of you know extra that goes along with this and prestige and going to Liberty, um, for you know certain people. Um, and, and again, the schedule's not that bad. They start off, you know, Bowling Green, New Mexico State. I'm not necessarily worried about either of those two games. Um, and then Just yeah, the they could be plucky they, 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 could, they could. Game last year. I, I wrote Bowling Green's preview. They're, they're going to be tough to watch. I think it's, <laughs> it's not going to be a terrible year, but it's going to be a, a rough year for Bowling Green. Um, but yeah, I think the, the real story I think in this conference is Western Kentucky. I think that Western Kentucky is far and away better than anybody else in the conference. Uh, I think you have to pick them to be one of the better G five teams in terms of the way their records going to shake out just because of how this can go. And they, they return one of the better quarterbacks in the country. I don't care what you want to say about it. Austin Reed's very good. Absolutely. He is a very good quarterback. He's got an arm. He can sling it. We know that that offense just works Malachi Corley, the wide receiver, huge playmaker there. I don't think that that, connection is going to stop this year he could hit 1500 yards receiving um i don't think that that's outlandish to say um and and yeah i think it's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch this team play football they play ohio state third week of the season they're not going to beat ohio state but <laughs> I, I don't want to make you think i'm saying that but we if you get the this? ball first you could be looking at a 7-0 real quick and you know maybe scaring a little bit the ohio state fans out the gate they're not going to win that game i want to be extremely clear they're not going to beat ohio state but you know, it, it can be fun to watch and it can be kind of a fun first quarter, first half if they can be you know, competitive and come out swinging. So
1: not, not a pushover by any means. Yeah. I, I think they're definitely the class of the conference along with Liberty. They're going to score a million points and try to not give up a million and one in right. most of their games right. this year. But yeah, if you're, if you're sleeping on the Western Kentucky offense, you just haven't been paying attention. Austin Reed is a legit good quarterback. You think he's just a system guy? Go look at what Bailey Zappi did it for the New England Patriots last year. He came in the NFL and performed really well and made Mac Jones really concerned for his job. So yep. they, they're not just system quarterbacks up there in Western Kentucky. They know how to coach them up. Yep. Garrett, I think UTEP could be really fun. I know they're a darling of this podcast. We this love UTEP on this podcast. We love UTEP. They have a couple opportunities to get a couple Power Five wins, I think, in week three and four. They travel to Northwestern. I. Pick them to win that game right now on August uh, 16th. Yep. They also travel to Arizona the next week. I think that they could catch a sleeping Wildcats team that's maybe looking ahead to conference play if they're not careful. Um, UTEP's going to be fun. We have two newcomers to not just Conference USA, but the FBS level in Sam Houston and Jacksonville State. Sam Houston's an interesting case because they are a power program. At the FCS level, they've made countless playoff appearances. They've made it to the national championship a couple of times and even won the national championship in spring of 2021 for the 2020 season. They took an interesting approach that some other teams, namely James Madison, have not taken when they transferred from FCS to FBS. They chose to forego their last couple of seasons of eligibility for the FCS championship so they oh, can wow. make a push for a conference championship at the FBS level. So, nice. listen, do I think that they're going to win Conference USA in their first year um, of eligibility for it? I, I do not. No. Nah. But what I do know is that Sam Houston is in a very talented hotbed of the country, Huntsville, Texas, just an hour north of Houston. Mm-hmm. And Casey Keeler is a fantastic coach. She's a championship winning coach championship pedigree in the program. The other interesting thing they did Garrett is they decided that they were going to kind of abuse the red shirt rules of the NCAA where you can play in four games. Mm-hmm. They let all their starters, pretty much all their starters play in four games last year and then sat them the rest of the season and said, <laughs> all right, triple a team. Go tank right. for us, essentially. They went six and five, I think, the last year in FCS, but it was playing mm-hmm. all their backups so that all their experienced starters could come back and uh compete, right? And okay, yeah. one more time. Quick trivia, starting quarterback for the Sam Houston Bearcats. Ooh, starting quarterback. I don't know that I could even tell you at this point. Well, I don't know that he's gonna start. But he's okay. certainly in the competition. I think they brought him in. I think he is going to win this job. He hasn't been named it yet. Grant Gannell of Grant North Texas, Arizona, wow. former Texas A&M commit. He's been all over the place. Yeah,
0: a little journeyman right there. Look, Sam Houston, they're, they're a fun story. Obviously, when you go from being a championship at the lower level and you try to make that next step, you you got to question if it's going to translate Go make some noise. First couple games of the season, BYU, Air Force, Houston. Go rough some people up, right? I don't think they win any of those games, but
1: go Houston's rough some people probably up. probably the best shot. I, I could probably see them best maybe shot. giving Houston a scare.
0: And, and Houston might be the most important of those three games to try to go win just because it's the regional rivalry. You know, kind of got to go and you know make some noise in the city where you probably got to start recruiting from. So, you know, hour up the road, go start getting some Houston kids to show up.
1: Not a bad idea. Well Garrett we let's tie a bow on conference USA right there. I apologize uh, to all the other teams in the conference. I just have one couple more things to say here. FIU, New Mexico State, Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee, Army, UMass. I think we just mentioned every single uh fps team in our previous season with that little rundown right sounds there sounds about your, right yeah your team was at least mentioned on the three tech pod y'all are after. playing football too you are thank and, you
0: for playing football
1: and if you show out on the field we will absolutely talk about you absolutely on podcast and beg for apologies for not including you more <laughs> in the previous season but garrett it's almost time for talking season to be over. Real football will be firing up very very soon. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to be vegged out on the couch for hours on end with you guys watching all the games and we're just a couple weeks away. Yeah, man.
0: Next episode up, we're doing the the previews, doing the, you know, kind of the what's going to happen this year, start the year with some predictions, we're probably going to talk about the playoffs. So, man, I'm just excited to finally get to real football, start getting out to some games again and and doing what we love doing right it's it's almost time for fall in this great America that
1: we live in it's time to play some football let's do it it brings a tear to my eye when you say it It brings a tear to my eye grown men can cry about college football and old yeller all right it's just my arm I don't know (laughs) (laughs) well Garrett it's great to have college football back it's great to have you back my friend
0: Um, Like Garrett
1: said, uh, make sure you're following us on all of our social media channels, uh, Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it, Instagram, (laughs) YouTube, like, and subscribe on all of the podcast platforms. It really helps us out in the algorithm. If you like and subscribe helps us get out to more and more college football friends and tell your friends about the show. As we get into the actual season, we're really excited to keep spreading this and see where this thing goes. So, Make sure you bring as many people along for the ride as possible. Thanks, as always, for listening, guys, and we will see you next time.
0: Gracious, how about